in this episode of Model Railroad Talk, that's right, this episode of 24, we are going to be discussing using information. Where do you get your information, whether it be what to buy, where to buy, um, how to do things, that kind of thing. And uh, we're going to be looking also, or I shouldn't say looking, talking about using video cameras to help you build your railroad. So if you are new to the hobby or newer or looking at getting in the hobby or you've been in the hobby a while and maybe you never thought of this. So um, this will be a good episode for you. So stick around because we're going to get the show on the tracks. That's right. It is your host, the bandit of your favorite model railroad podcast. That is model railroad talk. And you're here with us today. And that is awesome. And we thank you. Um, real quickly, we are planning a very special episode 25. It's something that we kind of came up with and got some input from some of the, um, some other followers. Um, reached out to them and you know it 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 the idea is kind of cool we're gonna find out i guess from you guys you are favorite listeners what you think of it when 25 comes out so um so yeah as we said we are talking about online information and information in general okay this isn't necessarily going to be a discussion of one particular subject of information um basically what started this was i have recently started thinking about for next year you know it's getting a little late in the season for us here in iowa to be doing any kind of building or anything like that of any kind of outdoor layout railroad um and I have Eric O, who does, remember Eric, he was on a few episodes ago. He does the one-inch scale. Now, thanks to him, um, he intrigued me and got me wanting to um, do something a little bigger. I'm still doing my HO scale inside. That's not going to stop. But um, because of years ago when I had my big railroad in the basement, I was actually starting um, uh, working on an outdoor railroad in G scale. And, you know, I told myself getting back into this, I love that, that size and everything, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Just like most of us model railroaders, you know, no, no, I'm, I'm going to stick with what I got. Yeah. That never happens with us. So warning for you, new people or people coming into the hobby, it, it grabs you. It's addicting. Um, very, very addicting. So, uh, but anyways, um, so that's where this is all coming from. So I, cause I started looking for online and years ago you could go online to, well, like when Aristocraft was, uh, was, was in business and, you know, a lot of those manufacturers of those G scale items, you could reach out to them. And, you know, I mean, some of them were free, some were, you might've had to pay five or 10 bucks to get their catalog, which, you know, most of the time was just a catalog of their product and you, they would give you some information um you, you know specs and stuff like that to help you plan well a lot of them don't do it anymore first of all for g scale i'm finding out that there's only a small handful of manufacturers left and it's it seems like that scale while they're still manufacturing stuff it's the the um, oh the the availability of products is not there unless well i should say new as it was 15 years ago um 20 years ago actually and that's kind of sad um but anyway so that's what that's what got me thinking about this for this episode is so and and that spans for all scales 
too. Um, not just G scale, not, you know, and of course, obviously it's worse as you guys heard for Eric with one inch scale, he's very limited on being able to buy pre or products that are ready to go. And, and, you know, he's got a manufacturer in a sense, most of his stuff, right. Which, you know, let's face it, we do that in any scale for the most part, but it's more so in those scales that are not as, I want to say popular, but not as many people are doing them um, for whatever reasons. And so when you have somebody and this, this is, uh, also stems from, um, the email we had from, a, a follower listener, he's thinking about getting in the hobby and, you know, that's where we had, um, on, on, uh, I did on our YouTube channel, uh, a video about where to start. And so this is kind of the next thing for that. Um, whether you're brand, you're looking at getting in the hobby, new to the hobby, or, you know, you've been in the hobby a while or you're coming back to it. Um, I personally like having the physical catalogs in my hands if I can. Reason being is I like to reference back to them. I like to be able to have, um, and I'm sure a lot of you are like this as well, um, uh, you know, like Model Railroad or Magazine. I have access to it online. Uh, with my subscription. Well, not only with my subscription, but my um, online subscription to trains.com. And, you know, I have used the online of that for uh, on trains.com. As an example, I've, I have access to trains magazine and now uh, garden railways, I think it is, which is awesome. Um, but, you know, I've used the online book, reading, whatever. Well, just like in the hobby, when we talked before, when I was looking at going, switching at the beginning of this railroad I'm building, it's going to end scale. And I'm like, well, I can't read that well. Well, or I can't, since I can't read that well, I can't see that well. Well, that's kind of the same thing with this, unless you, you know, you have a tablet or you want to sit on a laptop. uh, Most, most of us carry our phone and that's what we read from. Well, I don't want to try to read, um, you know, like a 10 page article or a 10 page, you know, uh, 10 pages of information. And I have to scroll 30 times because I have to have the, uh, uh, font size so big, you know, and that's where having the physical catalog is nice because even if I throw some reading glasses on to read it, it's right there. It's all in one spot. You're not, you know, flipping and you know, the, there's, it used to be in the day you could, with the exception of like, well, I'm not saying with the except, I, I take that back. Like Walters, you can buy their catalog, which recently, I don't know if any of you have checked because I, I got an email here this last week about their 2024 catalog, 24, 25 catalogs coming out. And holy cow, is it small? I mean, they're integrating um, HON and Z scale into one catalog now, or maybe. I'm pretty sure it was H O N and Z, or maybe it was N H O N O. I don't remember, but I'm wow. I, I, I don't know what's going on there. So if anybody from Walters happens to be, you know, listening to this podcast, you know, reach out to us, let us know what, you know, we'd love to talk to you and find out why, you know, I remember the H O scale catalog used to be an inch, inch and a half thick and, and H O had its own, uh, catalog and scale, or I should say N and Z had their own. So yeah, it, I don't know about that, but, um, and hopefully we can find out, but you know, or you be able to reach out to a manufacturer and say, Hey, I would love a catalog. Even if you had to pay five or 10 bucks for the shipping or, you know, printing and shipping or whatever, you know, it was nice to get that in your hands. You didn't have to. And, and for me, it's more, okay, I can pick it up. I can flip through it. Okay. And I can take like, uh, you know, bookmarks or page tab things and mark, okay, this is what I want to read. This one I want to read. And then while I'm sitting in my chair, I can pick that book up or catalog up, flip to one, read it, you know, and then I can go to the next one. And if I get interrupted, no big deal. I know where I'm going back to your phone or device. Let's face it. You're reading something on there and you know, if something pops up, like on your phone, you get a phone call. Well, let's face it. Sometimes you get those phone calls that take your mind on off of whatever you were just doing on your phone. And when you're done, it's like two hours later, you're like, ah, crap, I forgot about that. Or 
I'm, I don't feel like going back to it. And I just, I don't like that feeling. I like to have the, I guess, access right in my hands. And I, you know, and don't get me wrong. Um, I am not cutting down online resources. Online resources are great. There is, I, I feel there's a, a world of information. Now, some of it's not the best. Um, some of it is very valid information out there. Let's face it. It is the internet. You know, I mean, come on, if it's on the internet, it's gotta be true. Right. Um, joke by the way. And, uh, you know, you know, where do you go? Like you said, it used to be go to your local hobby shop. You pick up a Walter's catalog, or maybe they would have, you know, an Athern or, or an Atlas, you know, granted small catalog you can pick one up and, and go home and flip through and look at stuff. And I, I feel that that may be playing a part in why some of this hobby is, and there again, I'm not, I've never said, and I never will say it's going down, but the uh, public knowledge of it is maybe not as big or not as interested because everybody's so everything's so online now that it keeps you i don't know if it's not popping up and they're not interested in it and they've never looked at trains or looked it up even if you've been a lifelong train lover and loved model trains but you've never looked it up once or talked about it on your phone or whatever it's never going to show anything for you where if you're say walking down a strip mall and there's a hobby shop or you know maybe somebody has a little table set up and they're able to put catalogs out you're able to take that, go home. Yeah, it might sit on under your uh, end table or your coffee table for a year. <laughs> you pick it up, dust it off, and oh, yeah, it sparks the interest. So that's the thing, I guess, is what I'm getting at. But the thing, too, going to the Internet side, especially if you're coming into this hobby, the nice thing about the Internet is, um, and even more so, not just coming in, but looking at coming into the hobby, is you can find pretty much whatever information you need to see before you spend any money. You know, I mean, it used to be back in the day, you know, you, you want to get in the hobby, but not really sure how, okay, you go to a hobby shop or, or, or you, uh, you know, you know, make a phone call to a hobby shop. If you didn't have one nearby, Hey, um, you know, and they might tell you, well, buy this train set or this or that. And then you, you, you invest all that money. Um, and then what happens, you know, it dies off or maybe the timing wasn't right or, you know, and now you've spent that money where now there's so much information on the internet, good, good information that's free. You, well, not really free. Cause let's face it. We all have to pay for the data or whatever the internet and somewhere shape right but you know what i'm saying you know you can go on get information for you that's look the, you the person that's looking at getting in the hobby you can see what's out there you can see what other people are doing whereas before the only way to do that is in a sense to go into a hobby shop or be talking with um an active model railroader and get invited to look at their railroad and so it's there's there's a a catch for both having the printed stuff versus the online stuff you know um me personally i like them both i personally wish even if i had to pay five bucks or ten bucks for a catalog from you know say um walters or no, i'm sorry not walters but like athern or you know one of the manufacturers kato to get one of their catalogs i would and and I know a lot of them have that, but I've noticed even in the last year of me, year, year and a half that I've been doing the research and getting back into the hobby, I've also noticed that some of these places where they were offering catalogs, and they still may, but they're a year or two old because they're just not going to print them anymore. Everything's online, you know, which again is good if you're lo looking at getting in the hobby or you're just getting into the hobby and you want to divert your funds, obviously, to getting the train set up, you know, getting it up and going, which I don't blame you. I'm that way. I'm diverting funds um, instead of, you know, there's times I see a good deal on rail cars or locomotive or this or that. And I'm like, no, I, I got to hold off because I'm at the point now with my railroad um, 
I need to buy more lumber. I, I'm, 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 if I had to say, I'm probably three quarters of the way done with my bench work um, for the lower, for the lower level. So I need to stop spending my extra funds, allocated funds on for railroading on this other stuff so I can put it to um, my bench work so I can extend, you know, basically get the bottom level of my railroad done, you know, and, you know, there's a, but there's a lot of, a lot of good information out there on the internet. I mean, if you're new coming in, you know, look up, you know, the, the first and foremost, I would say, go to the big names, Walters, go to the big name manufacturers, start there and start looking. A lot of them have uh, resource pages, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, you know, where you can, you know, they'll give you a little bit of information. I mean, they're not going to give you the whole ball of wax, if you will. Um, but you know, they'll, they'll give you a little bit of information. Um, bear with me folks. I am actually looking at, I am on, uh, on the computer right now trying to, um, as an example, you know, I mean, like I'm on Atherin's website right now, you know, uh, you can download instruction manuals and stuff like that. They have video, uh, pl a place where you can find videos. You know, you go over to like Accurail. Um, they've got, you know, they've got an online catalog. So you can see what their stuff is talking about couplers. And, um, oh, let's, let's do another one. Uh, well, cause I like Digitrax and, um, that's right at the top there, but you know, they've got downloads, you can download their manuals and stuff. And, a lot and lots and lots of information on and it's not just their stuff um, a lot of them have more but the first and foremost coming into the hobby or looking at getting in the hobby and and is i would honestly go to the nmra the national model railroad association website um now i am not going to state whether i'm a member or not and whether i am I mean, I support it, but I, I've got variances of opinions, but a lot of that has something to, different. But ultimately down, when it boils down to it, the NMRA is a good thing and I do support it. Um, but it is, you know, their online website, you know, for coming into the hobby, oh, well, what am I, you know, I see these big layouts and, and you know, they're not using this kind of track, they're using this, but oh my gosh, they have grades and they have this well, how much space do I need between the tracks or how do I wire that? Or, well, how do, you know, how do I keep it? So this manufacturer will work with this manufacturer. So NMRA is the reason for that folks. And when I got back into the hobby, um, six, eight, about eight months ago, I think now, um, actually actively got back into the hobby. I went to the NMRA website and it took me a while. Thank God I have um, laser printers <laughs> I uh, because, A, they're a lot more efficient and faster, but I went through and printed off all the standards and recommended practices and, and all that good stuff. So I have a big binder of their stuff, so I have a physical reference. So that kind of goes back to what we were talking about the catalog. You don't have, one doesn't have to do that. I did it because I like to be able to, if I'm working, say I'm working on something on my workbench, I don't want to have to stop, go over to my computer. Um, now, while my computer does stay on, I still have to get over there. I have to turn on my monitors, you know, fire up Internet Explorer and then go here. You know, when I can just grab it, uh, my, my bookshelf at currently is in between my workbench and my computer. I can walk right over, grab it look to what I need and read it. You know, that's why I like the print version of stuff, but the NMRA is a perfect website, perfect place to go. If you're getting into the hobby or new to the hobby, learning to learn, there is a uh, just a, a world of information on there that one could use, you know, and, you know, and if, if you, if you feel that, you know, the NMRA is something that you want to do, or even down the road, you know, you can join it. Um, they do have a lot of good things for their, their, uh, if by joining, they have regions and, and, and different, um, divisions and stuff that if you have an active division in your area, 
and region, which most of the regions, which are the big part, um, most of them are active anyways, but it's more the divisions that are the smaller ones that some of them are either inactive or while they are considered active, they don't do a lot. So check out your area. Um, it may or may not be worth you joining, but um, I know I've joined. I'm not so much concerned about the local division thing as I am joining it to a have access to the information, but also so I can support them. But getting off that, um, but going back to like I, you know, I've said before, I've done the uh, a review on Model Railroad Academy. It is a good um, place for information. You know, there's tons of even if you don't want to join it, there's tons and tons of videos and you know um, things that they allow somebody who doesn't have a membership to see and learn from uh, another one is trains.com you know um heck even i've talked about the modelbuildings.org you go there um they've got you know some information that you could just by looking through and you don't necessarily have to it doesn't really have to be um you know like modelbuildings.org a lot of their information is about their uh, buildings and how to build them and, 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 uh, you know, make them be even better. And, but a lot of that you can take over to other aspects. Um, the other thing too, is if you're interested, let's say you're coming into the hobby and you're like, you know, I want to, you know, do the Burlington Northern. I want to do the union Pacific. I want to do the Chicago Northwestern. I want to do, you know, the Penn central, whatever, some of these fallen flags, Google there uh, or look up, I guess, depending on what I shouldn't say Google. I mean, everybody uses their own different things, but search for, you know, as an example, the Burlington Northern search for the Burlington Northern Historical Society. Um, you know, go there, look, some of those, they don't give you a lot of information because they want you to join. Um, but every one that I've looked at so far, they give you a fair amount of information, um, you know, what they're about. Um, and, you know, like I'm, as an example, I'm on the BNSF, or I'm sorry, Burlington Northern. Um, uh, yeah, the historical page. Sorry, folks. Uh, and, you know, I just clicked on one of the thing, uh, one of their resources on their page, you know, and it's the BNSF locomotive 1998 renumbering plan so you know i mean it's it's one of them things where you know if you if if let's say you have a burlington northern uh or say say you want to go in reverse you have a bnsf locomotive that is uh you know uh, well right here let's say you have a bnsf uh gp39-2 and the bnsf number is 3431 well, they give you right here. Well, that was a Santa Fe unit that was uh, 2835 when it was a Santa Fe, that kind of thing. You know, um, it's really cool. The more you go into it, like you can get the timetables for like um, passenger trains, track profiles. I mean, there is a ton of information out here on the Internet. So especially if you more so if you're new or or looking at getting in the hobby, there really is a lot of information. Now, you do have to be careful. It is the internet, folks. Remember that. There are people out there that will try to, and I'm not trying to sound like your mom or dad or whatever, you know, like some of the, you know, telling you, hey, don't, you know, remember, you know, wash your hands after you go to the bathroom. Not just, there's a lot I have found recently getting back into the hobby, a lot of websites that look like they're good, legitimate websites. And you go there and you actually click on the website and it, you know, want this kind of, this reminds, oh, this looks like a Kato website. And then you, then I would open up another browser and click on, you know, go to Kato. And it's like, okay, this, I'm not believing this one because they are obviously trying to mimic for some reason, you know. Um, but and that is all in depending on what you're looking for in trains, you know. Another um, thing to think about is 
not just looking at the manufacturers of model trains, okay, and not just, you know, um, you know, Atlas, Atherton Bar Mills, you know, Broadway Limited, or like the big catalogs like Walters and such. But you also got to think there are places that more, for argument's sake, are resellers. And not, not necessarily a hobby shop. I mean, the hobby shops, whether online or local, are a great resource. I'm not cutting them down by no means, and I support them anytime I can. But I'm talking about like Micromark, um, you know, as a good example. And no, I'm not getting paid for this. I mean, I'm um, by no means. I wish, I mean, if, if they want to advertise, you know, that's fine, you know, but, um, but you can go on there and just like the Micromark catalog, most people that have been in the hobby know what Micromark is. If you are coming into the hobby or looking at getting in the hobby, go to Micromark uh, as an example, and that's micro and then Mark, like your buddy Mark or whatever.com. And you can request a free catalog and they actually mail you general, I want to say it's monthly or every couple months. It varies and they have specials and stuff, but that is a good resource as well. Um, places like that. Um, you know, because I, like I, I on their website now clicked on model trains and I mean, they show locomotives and they have all sorts. Well, like we did on our YouTube video train sets, you know, granted, um, yeah, this is, they're selling you stuff, but, um, let's just say you, I'm clicking on one here. If I can get it to go, there we go. Um, you know, let's say you saw this one particular train set in, you know, online or whatever, but they didn't give you a lot of information. Well, and you can't really find it. You, you don't think you can find anywhere. Go to Micromark. They, they seem to have a lot of stuff that other places, I don't want to say don't, but don't, I should say don't continually stock or advertise they stock it. Um, and, and then, you know, a lot of things I know people think about coming in the hobby or when they're looking at getting the hobby is, well, the tools, what kind of tools do I need? What kind of glue, what kind of, you know, paint this, that Micromark has it all. And there again, it's a good resource. So like, if you are sitting there listening to somebody talk about, you know, using micro brushes or using an airbrush or, or, you know, Hey, I, I keep my rails clean by putting polish on or using a car cleaner, that kind of thing. You can go there and at least look it up, see what they're talking about, and they will give you a at minimum a good enough description of what it is to where then you can take that and do a search on the internet and look more into it, see what you can't find. So, like I said, it is. I wish some of these and and Micromark's a good one. They they I mean almost they almost religiously send me. A catalog every month or every two months which is great i flip through it um while it doesn't change that much i mean as far as I, that affects me i should say um it is nice to get it um majority of these places have as well have um online catalogs that you can download and so i mean if, if you're all right with downloading a catalog um and keeping it say on your phone or anything like that, you know, that's, that's fine too. I'm not, I'm not in no way, shape or form cutting down, um, down, you know, reading it on your device. You know, I mean, if you're younger and you have, and I mean, or if you work on a computer day in and day out, that might be the way for you to go. Cause you're used to it. Um, where me being a mechanic, you know, I'm not on a computer all day. I mean, I'm, I'm on a computer and phone after work, um, you know, doing this podcast and, and whatnot and communicating with friends and family, but you know, I'm not reading on it. I don't know. It, it, it kind of sounds stupid, but, but I think it's one of those things where if you are used to sitting on a computer day in and day out, reading on it to do your job, then for you to do that on a phone or a tablet is probably your, your, you know, you, in a sense, your vision is trained for it. Your eyes are trained for it. Where somebody like me that I'm trained to turn wrenches, you know, my eyes aren't, yeah, they're there, you know, they work. I can see what's going on and I can read instructions if, if it's something I've never done before, 
but continually for me as an example to sit down and read a catalog online it, it doesn't strike my interest as much as it, as it does to um have the actual catalog right there in front of my face so anyways um so what do you think reach out to us model talk at gmail.com you can go to our website www.modelrailroadtalk.com and submit a form there but let us know what do you think what what is your um what is your preference do you prefer catalog in hand or online or you really don't care you just want the information so um when we come back we are going to talk about um finding a good uh video camera to help you with track work and such so stick around and we'll be back shortly Join the Model Railroad Revolution. Go on over to patreon.com forward slash model railroad talk and become a premium supporter. By becoming a premium supporter, you get added benefits such as an exclusive private Facebook group, live videos while we record, access to the latest episode before anyone else, and more. Your support helps us continue to grow and support the Model Railroad Revolution. Go on over to patreon.com. That's P A T R E O N.com forward slash model railroad talk to become a premium member today. Yes, the second part of this episode is beginning now. Um, so we are back, obviously. Um, I had a good little short break. Um, I definitely needed it a little tired today, but, um, you know, we'll get through this. We'll get through this together. Like we always do as model railroaders, we get through whatever issues we have together, don't we? So in the second half is going to be more of a candid kind of thing. So, um, I guess I'm going to be kind of describing what my experience has been. So using a camera and i'm not talking like your phone video camera or you know or like a a regular camera you know dslr or something like that for you know recording like youtube videos or anything um so where this is stemming from is when i had my last railroad um i had started building the first phase of it and i had i remember this specifically i had two sections of track that I, for the life of me, could not figure out why I had about, well, it wasn't even, I want to say half my cars. It was certain style, kinds, whatever, of cars that kept derailing. And I had checked them out. You know, I'd done everything. The track was all, I have an NMRA gauge. Track was in spec. Um, Clearance was there. I just, I couldn't figure it out. Uh, Track was clean. I didn't know. And it was, and, and it just, it was driving me nuts. I couldn't just, I couldn't figure out certain cars. It was a certain, um, it was actually a couple styles of cars, but it was certain cars that come around derail and, you know, and, and then of course it derailed the rest of the track. Um, and so at that time, you know, I talking with people in groups I was in about model railroading and they, uh, Somebody had said, well, have you ever used the camera? Put it on a flat car in front of your locomotive and run it around the tracks. And I'm like, what's that going to do? You know, I've got my NMRA gauge and everything. And they're like, well, if you have access to one, try it. So at the time I had one of those like, uh, well, it was a video camera. It, it was the regular SD cards that went in there. And, uh, but it was one of those that fit in the palm of your hand, you know, and you have the little sl- uh, fold out screen, you know, and Fortunately, it was just small enough and light enough that I had a, uh, I don't remember, it was like a 50-foot flat car that it sat on perfect. The flat car held it well, and, it, and um, you know, it, it just went around curves and everything fine. So the only problem was is I had, um, I had on one of my tracks while, on, I mean, at that point in time, not once I extended, I had several tunnels. But at that point in time, I had one tunnel it went through. And when I set up that tunnel, I was very diligent, made sure, 
you know, the portals and, and, and going through the tunnel, which it had access. So if I did derail, but, um, you know, I made sure there was clearance, there wasn't any issues, but I also knew I I had it scenic some going into it. So if you looked into it, it just kind of, it wasn't just a black space or open space, you know, it looked real and never had any problems with the tunnel. It was actually coming out of the tunnel. I remember it and coming around a curve. And then, um, after it went straight about six, eight inches foot, maybe. And it was always, you know, a couple foot before the yard that, or the lead to the yard, or I should say to the siding that went to the yard at that particular spot that these certain cars type of cars, um, would derail. And so I originally ran it around and I'm like, well, you know, and, and the thing is it was, uh, flat cars. Um, I had some modern age flat cars that were derailing as well. It didn't matter if they're empty. They had a, a NMRA spec load on it, or it, I had them overloaded. They still would do it. Um, and it, it was, I'm trying to remember it was covered gone or I mean, covered hoppers, the uh, cylindrical ones. Uh, it was the modern day 65 foot flats or whatever they were. Um, and there was one other type of car. And so this, this guy is telling me, put a video camera on and run it around your track. But you have, but the video camera, when you set it on your car, you have to be able to see the track, see down in between the rails in a sense, like you're in the locomotive looking down the track. And I'm like, all right. So I set it up, tried it, you know, turned it on video. It went around and, um, sure enough, the cars behind it would derail. And I'm like, I, it took me forever. Okay. And it was just because at the time when I was building that, um, while I had part of it scenic, I was still, you know, putting, finishing up or doing the finishing touches of the phase one, as far as, you know, sightings and spurs for industries. Plus I was building the structures for that and working on my operating scheme. I had a lot going on. Plus I was repainting locomotives. Cause at that time I was modeling loosely, I should say modeling the Iowa interstate. So I was repainting locomotives to the Iowa interstate and so on and so forth. And so finally one day I put it on there and nothing but my, uh, whatever locomotive I grabbed and the flat car that worked great. And so ran it around nothing. Well, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put, I'm going to see if this will fit on one of these flat cars that keep derailing. And so, all right, let's try it. Let's just see. You, one can only tell. Um, so I get it on there and sure enough, come around. Guess what? Um, it derailed. Well, I ran it around, re-railed it, um, you know, back the car and the locomotive up and did it again. I did that several times in the video. And I bet you I sat for two or three hours on the computer and on the video camera looking and looking and it dawned on me it figured it out i what it ended up being was i had a piece of flex track that you know i i ran atlas code 83 um it was the same track i'm using now and it it was a manufacturing defect on the where the the plastic spikes in a sense hold the rail to them it had a I don't know. It was like basically a little bubble or something, you know, like where it, like it, it the mold must've got messed up or maybe it was the last one that they ran for that, that, you know, before they cleaned out the molds or whatever, but the rail or the spike holder, the plastic spike actually had a little, uh, dimple, if you will, reverse dimple on the top of it. Very minute, very hard to see. I was running all Intermountain uh, Railway wheel sets. The certain cars, now a majority of them, I was running 33-inch wheel sets. A majority of the cars ran 36-inch wheel sets. Now, I don't know. I still really don't know to the day, this day if what exactly it is, but I don't know if maybe on those cars at that time when they were manufactured, the 33-inch wheel sets, maybe Intermountain maybe the flanges were slightly bigger, taller too, but that is what I ended up 
concluding, okay, was it was the 30 cars that had the 33 inch wheel sets. My locomotives that I was running Northwest short line, you know, 40 and 42 inch wheels didn't phase them. But what, how I noticed it was that camera on that flat car, I noticed just before the derailment, I noticed it would tip a, just a very slight tip. And that was just enough to trigger, trigger to derail. And it didn't do it with the other cars. And like I said, it, and maybe my locomotives did do it, but since the locomotives are heavier, you don't notice it as much, I suppose. But um, so getting back to finding a good camera, and I'm not saying an expensive one, I've been on the search. So I found this one online and it was, of course, yes, I'm not gonna lie, it was a Chinese one. Uh, I thought I had it right here, sorry folks. I was looking to see if I found it. Um, well, the description, you know, it's everything that was in the description other than it was slightly bigger than I expected, but that's not, that big of a deal because it still would work. It still would fit. Um, I could put it on a flat car and it would not, you know, be bigger, like wider or taller or anything than it needs to be. But the way part of it, this is, I didn't think about it at the time. I just kind of assumed, um, but it did not, does not have its own battery power supply. You, it's not rechargeable. So it's this camera I bought for starters, while it has an S, uh, USB plug on it, um, and I did see that in the picture, and and the way this camera, the housing is built, I assume there was a battery in there that you could recharge. So, anyways, it comes in, and it it, it cost me like two bucks more to have them send the thirty two gig card with it. So I'm like, sure, why not? You know, and um, you know the card went in and everything. Well it wouldn't charge, it wouldn't charge. I'm like, and then I got to reading the manual. Well, I should say limited wording on this thing and it, it, nothing about a battery. And more or less it said, you have to leave it plugged in. Okay. So I'm like, well, that's not going to work unless I find a small power pack and this and that. Okay. Well, whatever, I'll figure that out down the road. Well, then it's supposed to be one of those Wi-Fi cameras where you can hook it up to your phone and record or whatever. Plus it's one that you know, you can technically, you can plug it in and use it like, I don't want to say a spy camera, but like, uh, like an internal, um, in error should say in-house security camera. So like, if you want to watch your pets or what, you know, have it at the front door in case somebody comes in or something, you know, you have recording of it. And so for the life of me, I tried to get it to hook up to my phone. It wouldn't hook up to my phone. Oh, well you have to download this app. Well, this app you download is all in Chinese. It, and it connects, but it doesn't do, I'm just like, you know what, whatever. I'm just gonna put it aside and call it. I mean, I think it was, and I know you get what you pay for, but I think it was like 10 or 12 bucks. And then with shipping, and uh, it was like 14 or 16 bucks with shipping. Okay. So I ended up finding another one that it's actually on its way here. We'll probably won't be here for another three or four weeks because I'm sure it's coming out of China but it's smaller. Um, it is supposed to have its own battery supply or little battery, you know, rechargeable basically. And I don't need it to last forever, but getting back to this camera. Um, so I'm excited to get that in. So once I get it in, I will have videos. I'll post them on our YouTube channel, um, assuming it works and on our Facebook page. Um, but my whole point of this is, you can use if you have a small camera like that or you have a video camera you know especially if you're ho and bigger um you can use that to help you fine-tune your railroad now if you're just doing snap track or or the um easy track you know bachman or Cotto or you know the different varieties of those lifelike um you're probably not going to necessarily need it. I mean, you can use it. So like if you, you know, my thing is, is what I used to use on my old railroad is after, you know, right when I get uh, certain sections of track laid down, I would take my camera and run it around on that section, you know, several times and record it. And then before I do any more, I go back, look on the video and that would tell me, okay, I've got, do I like the way the track looks going down from this point of view? And 
granted, most of us are not going to be looking down the track from a locomotive standpoint. You know, we'd love to, but you know, when we're operating our trains, however, that can help you, um, divert any issues with derailment. Just like what I told you at the beginning of this second half, I ended up, that's how I found this one spot that certain cars kept derailing. And, you know, to go back on that base guy, I just had to take a little file, a couple of swipes with the file and those cars never derailed there again. I never in fact had any car derail there again. And you can use that, like, especially going through switches, you can see coming in, is that switch lined right? Well, or do I need to tweak it? Or do I need to adjust, you know, my ground throw or, or, or my, you know, if you're using, um, the tortoise, do I need to adjust it? Think about that. If you're in the either building process or addition process of laying down track, um, especially if you're hand laying track, laying flux track, or even if you're doing, um, what we call snap track, any kind of track, if you're laying your track down and you have a video camera that will sit on a car and you can video it without derailing the car or, you know, anything like that, you know, think about that, use that because, and not only that, the coolest thing is you have cool videos that look like you're writing in the cab. Well, I mean, within reason, it looks like you're, you're not, that you, you know, I often, I often thought about taking an old uh, shell and, um, you know, cutting it, hacking it up and putting it in front of the video camera, you know, looking out the cab, so you have the window thing, but I never did, but you know, you get, it, it's that same view looking like if you were sitting on the hood of a locomotive going down the road or standing out on the, on the anti-climber or something, you know, um, that you could show people. And, and plus that could inspire you to keep you going and going, you know, um, uh, you know, like me, jumping into the YouTube world of doing videos that has actually inspired me to, uh, continue on with my railroad. Not that I was going to stop, but I had hit a little slump where I'm like, I, you know, I've been, I'm racking my brain trying to make sure I come up with new stuff for the, this audio and this and that. And, you know, you get exhausted thinking of, I mean, I, while as much as I love trains, you get exhausted thinking about it uh, all the time or almost all the time. So, you know, me doing the YouTube videos has actually helped me continue on and, and keep that drive. So there's continual progress on my railroad. And for those of you that are, um, able to see, uh, go back and see the live videos, you know, if you, or any videos I post, uh, of me recording this, um, like right now I've got my, the existing track right now on my railroad. Um, I should say operational track is I've got it all weathered already. So, but that's a little thing to think about. Um, if you're, you know, uh, starting a railroad and you're starting with the track and you have access to, or you're fine with buying a small camera that, you know, um, I do recommend getting one that is, is small enough that you can say run in tight spots through tunnels, especially if you're going to do tunnels, um, and one that has its own battery and preferably one that has an SD card that you or, or a way to record and store it. Let's put it that way in itself. And then you can take it off and transfer it. Um, like I said, it's a, it's an, a great tool to make sure your track work is, um, is, is going to be fine and be good. So you don't have derailments and same with your switches. Plus you get some cool videos of your railroad, not only while you're building it, but then when you're, when you get, you know, that section or your whole railroad scenic, you can do all sorts of cool things with that running videos and stuff around. I used to do that, um, you know, do black and white videos and, and, and you, you don't even necessarily have to run it. Like I would set it on the side. I do a black and white video when I run my steamers, uh, you know, I'd record them going through a scene as if I was standing there, uh, rail fanning, and then I convert them in black and white and, um, I remember one, I, I, which I still wish I still had, but I don't, um, lost it. Cause that was, I don't know how many years ago, but I was able to do that old timey film look, you know, that like it, it had put like the lines off and on and scratching this kind of thing. And I had people actually think when my, when I'd run my steamers, you know, for show, um, I had people think that it was actually real. Like I went out to a railroad, oh, where'd you get that at? You know? So 
um, something kind of cool for you to try. So um, the last little thing I was going to bring up, um, nothing major, um, something for you to think about there again, whether you're thinking about getting the hobby, new to the hobby, or coming back in the hobby, or you've been in the hobby and you just never thought about this, um, weathering your track. We put so much emphasis on scenery, weathering locomotives, cars, buildings, operations, you know, DC or DC, you know, control how you're going to run your railroad. Um, that sometimes weathering track gets put aside. Um, now, I'm not saying one should do it. And I'm not going to cut down somebody that doesn't do it because you know what, folks, when it's all said and done, it's your railroad. Um, do what you like and don't let anybody tell you any different. But I know for me, my last railroad that I, uh, yes, the same one that I refer to all the time, um, was the first railroad in my life that I actually weathered the track. And ever since then, um, when I did the remaining, uh, the remaining three, yeah, cause that was a four section layout. Um, I, when I did the remaining three sections, I, there, yeah, yeah, I don't care. I, I got all the track weathered and everything and cleaned up. Yeah. It's kind of a pain. Cause when after you weather it, like if you weather it, like I do with an airbrush, um, well, it doesn't matter. You still got to clean the rails, you know, but it is well worth the time and a little bit of effort, uh, makes your tracks look so, so much better. In fact, I'm going to be doing a YouTube video of that. Um, once I get to the point where I'm going to be putting ballast down, um, I want to wait until I get to that point. I have pictures. I have put pictures on not only the model railroad talk, regular Facebook page. Um, I have put it on my Iowa Eastern railroad Facebook page. So if you're interested, go, go over there and check it out. Um, I do have pictures from when I first started weathering the track on this, um, like before and after kind of thing. Um, and it, so if you're, if you're, if you've never done it and you're wondering if it, you know, wow, is it really, you know, worth it? Go and take a look. It may be worth it to you to, to go ahead and think about weathering your track if not, but I do mine via an airbrush. And while I'm not going to get into the fine details, cause it's hard to describe the details. I do know down the road, the plan is to do a YouTube video on our page to show my process and how I do it. But basically I end up, I, I figure out what two colors I'm gonna use. Um, and those colors are gonna be A for your railroad ties and B for the sides of your rails. And to put it really easy for you folks, real easy, I, I weather my ties first. And basically I run, when I'm, my spray pattern is running parallel with my rails, just right up top, almost not straight up and down, but maybe you know, a 45 degree angle, I guess, uh, to the railroad ties and just spray them from the top. Um, just give them a good coat of whatever you decide you want to weather. Um, mine, I generally do, um, a brown, which they're brown obviously, but I do like, uh, the best way I can describe it is it's like a weathered brown, you know, um, just to knock that plastic look off. Um, the brown that they mold the ties in while yes, it could suffice, you know, and by the time you put ballast and stuff on it, the dust from the ballast and the glue and all that. Yeah, it, it'll give them a little bit of a weathered look, but painting them there again, you have to find your color, but painting them, um, you know, railroad tie brown, as an example, there is a paint color for that and name that, you know, it just makes them look a little more real. Then I, in turn, take basically I take that same color. Um, but I orange it up a little bit to, for the rails. So basically I take like a, a rust, rusty color. Um, and then I actually take some of the railroad tie brown to darken that. And then I come down to where I'm perpendicular to the rails and I get as low as I possibly can and shoot the sides of the rails. You're going to get some on the, on the, uh, railroad ties. I do not mask my railroad ties. Um, the overspray is going to happen. I mean, let's face it, you know, I mean, it's like it's getting weathered in real life. So while yes, they'll kind of mix and it's kind of hard to tell the difference for me, it's an overall 
good look in the end. And especially with me using crushed walnut shells that I am, I am, uh, using, uh, ink, or not inks, but, uh, uh, paint. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Um, you know, to change the color to, I'm going, I'm basically doing a gray, uh, a gray ballast, the paint pigments. There you go, folks. See what happens when you're tired. You forget even one word, but I'm using gray paint, uh, pigment to color the ball uh, crushed walnut shells gray. And then when that gets down, that gray will actually kind of give it that, uh, weathered wash dusty look too. I've already tested a section and while I didn't dry or, uh, secure it down, I did hit it with the alcohol and, uh, wash, you know, like you would before you put the glue down. Well, I vacuumed up that little section and basically getting the track ready to paint it and all that. And, uh, and even me vacuuming that up, that color just is, from the pigment makes it look awesome. So, so yeah, think about that. Um, is weathering something that I would recommend to you, the listener that is thinking about getting in the hobby or just getting into the hobby? Probably not. Get your track set up first. Um, get your track plan figured out. Plan get get figured out what you want to do with the hobby first. You know, you may be like we said, you may be somebody that just likes to have it set up on a board or you know, or whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. And you just like watch them go around. You don't really care about the weathering thing or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that. But figure all that out before you get into doing some of this. If, if you're new, newer to the hobby. Um, and if you do remember, there's plenty of online, uh, information out there, YouTube videos, um, articles, uh, model railroader is another good um, going back to our first section of online versus in hand, I have access to model railroader online. Um, I also get it uh, monthly mailed to me because I like having them. I used to collect them as well, which unfortunately when I sold all my stuff, I sold all that. And I'm regretting it because I had probably 20, 15, 20 years worth. Yeah. So I, I, I almost could hear people right at that point sighing like, oh man, you sold it. Yes. I was stupid. Okay. Um, live and learn folks. But, you know, but there again, I have actually, as a prime example of having access to both, like I'm say, I'll sit here at home and I have the latest model railroad or I'll flip through it or I have them, you know, I keep them nice and, and sheet, uh, what do you call it? Sheet protectors or whatever. And, oh, I remember that article. So I'll go, you know, if I'm at home, I'll just pull the magazine and read it. But like, say I'm looking something up. I'm, you know, I always show up to work an hour early so I can wake up basically. But when I get there, I check through things. Well, so a lot of times I have extra time. So I'll start. Okay. Well, what can I do for the podcast or my railroad or whatever? Well, if it's for my railroad, ah, I remember seeing this model railroad or well, instead of me carrying the magazine back and forth and destroying it, I, I can go on to my trains.com subscription and I can go back to the archives and find that and read, you know, I can read it on there. I have access both ways. So information's out there, folks, um, use it. That's what it's there for. Reach out to us. Um, if you have questions, maybe something that, you know, you've looked online and there's, a, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of different options where you can go to get information and you'd like our opinion, you know, or have us look into it, um, and tell you what we think for safety or whatever, you know, or more, um, what's going to be better for information, reach out to us, model railroad talk at gmail.com. Go to our website, www.modelrailroadtalk.com. Um, you can give us a phone call, 563-293-6530. That's 563-293-6530. And remember folks, no, we won't answer, but you can leave a voicemail. If you want us to call you back or contact you, please leave how you'd like us to contact you. Um, you can send a text message. We're not going to spam you. Um, there again, if you want us to contact you back through text, we will do that as well. Um, if you are enjoying this podcast and you are, would like to help us grow, um, would like to see it go, help us improve this, the audio down the road and, you know, so on and so forth and be able to do more for you, our favorite listeners. Head on over to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Model Railroad Talk. 
and we have a couple different tiers there. Um, you can support us over there and become a premium supporter. Um, by becoming a premium supporter, you get access to the podcast within an hour or two after we record it. You get um, most of the time when we record this podcast, especially if it's just me, um, you get a live video through our, and you get access with that to our private Facebook page. And we will send out private videos, uh, private mess or not messages, but posts and stuff like that on the Patreon page for our premium supporters. And that's just another way that we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you folks for listening. Um, wouldn't be doing this without all you followers and listeners, supporters. Um, we appreciate it. Um, if you haven't already head over to model railroad talk on, uh, YouTube, we are trying to hit that 50 mark. We're getting, we're getting up there. We're about 27, 28 subscribers head on over to TikTok. We are about 125 roughly away from hitting that thousand mark of followers there. And once we do that, we'll be able to do lives there. So I want to thank you, um, for being on this and being with me today as I labbed on, as I have been very, very tired um, from some stuff. But you know what? We got through this. So um, until next time, folks, keep your train on the tracks and be safe. Well, and there, see, see, folks, that's what I love about doing this for you guys. I just totally messed up the outro. And guess what? It's because I'm tired. But anyways, let's try that again. Uh, keep your train.